You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. As we experience the grace and goodness of the gospel in our own life, we naturally want to share with others. So how can we share the love and life of Christ with our friends in simple and winsome ways? Well, in this episode, I sit down and talk with Denise Ward and Tanner Smith to talk about the book, Bless, Five Everyday Ways You Can Love Your Neighbor and Change the World by Dave and John Ferguson. Well, hey guys, thanks for uh, being here today. I have uh, Tanner Smith and Denise Ward. Really excited to have you here and spend a little bit about, uh, spend a little time talking about something that, uh, to be honest, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about. So this is going to be a little bit of a journey of <laughs> uh, discovery. But uh, you guys both play a lot of different roles on staff. Denise, I know you've been here for a very uh, long time, seen the, the, the church grow a lot. Tanner, you're a little bit more recent, yep, but fresh you meat. guys both are sitting on the spiritual formation team. And so give me just a little bit about what, what, what is that? What is the spiritual formation team? Yeah, we sit on oriental rugs with our <laughs> eyes closed. Um, no, uh, I think sort of our, our role is to help uh, think through and hopefully prayerfully consider together how to help people in our church grow spiritually. So creating pathways that are natural and approachable for them to, to know how do I grow deeper in my relationship with God, both in the way that I interact with Him and with others. So I don't know, you might have a better well, way to explain that. I think that's a good, we get a chance to speak into some of the things that we do around here and why we do them, because we want to make sure that everything we do has a purpose of helping people grow in yeah. their relationship with Jesus. That's one of the things I love about Clear Creek. We're, we're generally very intentional mm-hmm. about what we do. There's always a, a pretty specific reason yeah. behind everything we do. Yeah. One of the ways we could probably think about that is, you know, the the mission statement to help lead unchurched people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We focus a lot of our attention on that devotion piece. Like how do yeah. we become fully what devoted? Like? What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, I know as a church, we're coming out of, I don't know when this is going to be released. We may still be in it, but we've been talking about awakening and been crying out to God, asking him to awaken in yeah. us uh, a, a new passion and, and desire for him and for others. And so I know we're also entering into a season where, uh, we're, we're hoping to equip and energize people to think about uh, what it looks like to live on mission yeah. with their lost friends in their circle. So talk a little bit about maybe some of that, and sure. then let's get into this this Bless book a little bit. Yeah. Let, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Can I start? You. Just yeah. Back, yeah. Because so uh, my husband and I came here in 1994, mm-hmm. and um, what attracted us to the church was their mission, that they want to meet their neighbors and their friends and uh, develop a relationship with them, help them to get to know Jesus and um, at some point share their story and invite them to church. And so that's always been a core value for Clear Creek. So I think of this as something we're always doing, but every once in a while we take an opportunity to really recalibrate. Yeah. And so I feel like that's what, what this helps us do right now, and it makes it easy and practical. That's super helpful. I, well, and yeah, if we're talking about awakening, this idea of being renewed and the Holy Spirit, in, you know, giving us a fresh vision for who He is and for who we are in Him, um, that is the natural byproduct is like, okay, well, how do we then go out and share with others and see the kingdom of God come to earth? So that's that's sort of just the natural next step, I guess. So... Um... Give me a little bit about like this blessed book, maybe some of the strategy, how that's been going through, how people may have 
heard about it in some circles, whether they're small group or they're small group leaders. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, the history, even before the book was released, we've been using the BLESS acronym in some of our materials in small groups for a few years now in the, in the devoted materials. So um, we... we uh, we've pulled that from, it was still from the author. We didn't come up with the material, but uh, we, we've pulled that from the author. Um, I think maybe Bruce heard it in a, I don't know if it was at a conference or how he came across that material, but it, it felt easy and approachable for people to step into evangelism in just like a sort of everyday life kind of a way. So when the book came out, um, Bruce was like, man, we as a church need to need to live into this. And, and it was his hope that we could all it read it. It just fits. You know, we've had a top five forever. That's been part of our language forever. And um, this really focuses in on that, of knowing how, how do you even know who your top five is? And so then we ask navigators to sort of pause what they're doing in their group, and many of them have, and read the book as a... Um, you know, as their, their study time, and uh, I'm a group guide, and I I'm surprisingly can tell you that everyone I've talked to that has done it has loved it awesome. and uh, actually have action plans on what to do with it, how to use it. So I've been really pleased. I was a little more skeptical, <laughs> I think, and so yeah. people I've heard from have loved it. Yeah, well, I mean, in full transparency, as a, a navigator, someone leading a small group, I have yet to take that pause and fully <laughs> engage that. Yeah. with that. So, and that's hard I, to do sometimes yeah, if you're in is. the middle of a study. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that, that's why I have a little bit of a confession time. Get little, <laughs> that's good. Have to go down and talk to, to Bruce. That's right. I guess. Yeah, just yeah, uh, that's right. forgive me, Father. P- Pence. So <laughs> let, 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 let's get into the book a little bit here. Um, you know, bless. Uh, it, there's a, a you know, it's it's an acronym. So kind of want to walk through that, but yeah. how would we um, how would we categorize this book? Like what's, what's, what's the overview? If someone just give me the, the shotgun over it. I mean, it's written on the cover. What's that say there? Five everyday ways to love your neighbor and change the world. Yeah. Yeah, the big, the big kind of idea behind it is that uh, when we think of evangelism, for a lot of people, even just that word yeah. strikes fear. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, am I equipped for that? I'm an introvert. I don't want to like go on a street corner and yell things or like walk up to strangers. And some people even have lived in those experiences. Um, not that even some of that stuff is wrong. I, I've participated, especially in on mission trips in different countries and stuff, of walking up to somebody and just being like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus and God doing a work in that. So not that that's wrong, but that especially when that feels like unnatural and overwhelming, this the book is sort of a glance or a look into the life of Jesus and how he just lived evangelism. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think it's easy, like you just said, for for uh, some people, you know, like there's cop-outs when it, I'm not wired that way yeah. or like, oh, man, I don't have enough faith. I'm still too new in my I'm faith. I'm an introvert. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so you'd say that th- this is a solid... Uh, approach for totally. across the board. It casts a wide net. It's very approachable. Yeah. yeah. One it's, of the bylines is sharing the good news can be as simple as being a good friend. Mm. And I think it really, you should approach it as that simple, not that scary, you know? It's relational is the idea. And so, you know, it's funny, we use the joke about an introvert, like being introverted is not a disease, you know? It's like, it's people's strong suits when they have close relationships right. with someone 
just because they're not outgoing doesn't mean they're not relational. So evangelism can be, whether it's introverted or extroverted person, it can exist relationally in someone's life. Yeah. When we first came here, somebody asked me if I wanted to be on the their evangelism team. And I said, no, I will not knock on doors. <laughs> and she said, good, we're going to throw a party. And I'm like, okay, I can help you throw a party. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I love I, that. I can do that. That's fun. So let, let, let's get into it. The acronym BLESS, B, where, where, does it, where does it kick off? What does that start with? Yeah, so it starts with begin with prayer. Okay. That is the idea, um, is every... Uh, active evangelism or a life of evangelism begins with communion with God. Yep. So that's where it starts. So we begin, we begin by praying for ourselves and um, that God can, will use us or and wherever we feel those weaknesses, you know, to help us in that area, but also ask him to show us who we should be talking to. Yeah. And then we'll start praying for our other for the people that he's kind of showing us, so whether it's a physical neighbor next door to you or a coworker or somebody you're sitting in the bleachers with, but it all is covered in prayer. Yeah. yeah. So what might be some of the prayers that someone, let's say I'm a guy who's, uh, you know, relatively new to faith, just still yeah. kind of exploring. Maybe I haven't even uh, made a profession of faith. I wouldn't say that I'm a believer. Is, is there something that uh, we would encourage or does the book say that yeah. we would we would want them to, because you say how to even be a good friend, you know, it's, it's as, as simple as that. What might be something that we, someone like that could pray? I think we need to back up even okay. to to what is top five. So you mentioned that language er, earlier, which is not even language really that's in the book. They, he has a different, I forget the numerical system he uses to describe these people that are close to you. But when we say top five, just for those that are watching or listening, um, what we mean is five people that we've identified in our lives. And for some, that's more, you know. Uh, it's hard to limit it to five sometimes, right, right. but it's it's around five people that you've identified that do not have a relationship with God. The biblical language there is that they are lost. And we have to be careful when we use some of that language because uh, there's an, we have to have an, the awareness that when you say something like that, it's charged with a lot of emotion, especially for somebody who's outside of, you know, the Christian faith and listens and says, well, what do you mean I'm lost? I don't feel lost. You guys are the, you know, are the lost ones. So for clarification, what we mean by that is those that live outside of a relationship, a personal relationship with God and are, are, are on his mission. And we don't think of those people as less than or like that those are, oh yeah, these are the worst people in my life. We think of those people as people that we've found um, something in Jesus that is not only satisfying to our souls, but gives us a purpose for living. And we, we hope and pray and want that for them. So these are the people that we've identified that we're praying for and that we're living in relationship with and hoping that they would come to know Jesus. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I did you ask so if the person doesn't even Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like so let's say like I I'm just exploring faith yeah. and but right. I know there's people that I may that you know there there might be something here. What might be a yeah. prayer? What what how how could we encourage people in this B category right. that yeah. may be still new or exploring all this? Right. What does that look what what would prayer look like yeah. for that for them? So maybe even just leaning into God themselves and saying I'm not sure what I think about all this, yeah. but I'm willing to let you teach me or show me, you know? And so it's just a posture towards, okay, well, let's look into this, yeah. <laughs> you know? For yeah. sure. So. 
Eugene Peterson talks about um, how, like, the original language of the scriptures, there's there are different voices, you know, in, in the way that it's written. So there's an active voice, you know, I slapped Ted. Uh, there's the passive voice, Ted was slapped by me. But there's also this middle voice. Uh, and the middle voice is someone initiates the action and then someone else comes alongside and participates with it. I don't know if this is the way it worked out because we don't have this in English, but I would imagine... I reach out and Denise and I both slap you. I, I think that's, that would make for a more exciting podcast. Yeah. Um, that's probably not what he meant by that. But the idea is that, uh, that there's this missing thing in our language that we don't, mm-hmm. we don't really have a concept for. And he describes prayer is in the middle voice. So God is the one who's doing the action. He's always the one who does the saving. Prayer is the invitation for us to participate in what he's doing. So for, for that reason, prayer can look different. You know, sometimes you're having a conversation with somebody on your top five and they just say, man, my mom's in the hospital right now. Well, then you know how to pray for them. Yeah. And you can check in with them. on I've been praying for your mom, you know? And then other times it, it looks like that's a very like practical, tangible way. Other times it, it looks more like listening. God, you're already working in that person's life. Can you show me ways that you're already working that I can just be a part of? That's good. So let's say I'm the guy now, man. I've I've been praying about it. God's revealed to me that I have people in my spheres of influence, people in my life that I'm uniquely positioned to engage yeah. with. Yeah. That that that's someone that God's put on my heart, and I, I want I want to connect with. I want to help, maybe uh, you know, expose them to the gospel and what what a life in Jesus has to offer. What what comes after that? What's the next step in this acronym? Well, let me say, this is not linear. Okay. Do you yeah. agree? Yeah, I think. <laughs> that Even I think it's prayer speaking. is going to go throughout it all. Yes. Okay. So you're always going to be asking, how do I how do I pray for them? How do I learn to listen well to them? How do I, you know, so I think yeah. prayer is, is Well, it said be, begin with prayer. Yeah. So I'm like prayer. thinking that's where yeah. it starts. It yeah. does. No, it, so what's next? It's <laughs> both. It's both. It's beginning, but it also, you don't, you don't, um, no part of evangelism exists outside of partnership with God and prayer is partnership with God. Yeah. So that, that, is, that is something that continues throughout. Yeah. As, uh, as D.L. Moody, he, he like kept a, a list of a hundred names in his pocket and he, every day he would pull them out and pray through the list of, his, this was his top 100. Yeah. <laughs> but he would, he would pray through this list of names. Uh, but on his deathbed, 96 of those people had come to faith. Wow. So ninety six percent rate is pretty That's good, pretty right? Good. <laughs> but uh, but he didn't give up until the, until he the day he died at his memorial service. Those four people came to his memorial service were so moved by hearing about his life that each of them individually came to faith. That's awesome. So the persistence of prayer, like, uh, is 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 important. That has to flow throughout. Yes. Yeah, we live in a culture where we want things fast and easy, and you just. Prayer, you have to be persistent and just yeah. stick with it. And maybe sometimes that's a prayer is, Lord, help me do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, it's discouraging sometimes, you know, when you don't see any movement. And, um, yeah, and sometimes that can be overwhelming of like, well, how long am I supposed to pray for yeah. people? And how often? It's like, to, again, one of the strengths of this book is how disarming it, it is. And I think even with prayer, we need to, to disarm that a little bit. That it, if, if you can set aside... Just a, a, a couple minutes every single day, 
it's not really about the, the length of prayer. It's about the consistency yeah. of daily coming to God for these people. So like for me, I try to do it at one o'clock, like in a few minutes, my alarm is gonna go off and say, pray for, the, like, pray for your top five, because at one o'clock I'm reminded every day. And sometimes it's like 30 seconds. I step away from my desk and just, okay, God, here are the people I'm praying for. And then sometimes it's a little bit longer, but just that consistency of asking God on their behalf, praying for their needs, praying for their soul, praying yeah. that they could come to know Jesus. And I think the book makes it really clear this is God's work. Yeah. We just get to join him in it. And to me, that's really exciting, you know, but so we just, God already knows. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we asked him, so why do we pray if God already knows what he's going to do? And it's just, God is moved by our prayer and he, is, yes. he allows us to be a part of it. And that is just really cool. Yeah. So I think that's important too. Like, that, that your prayers matter. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you have even examples of that, of, of how praying for someone or someone else who has prayed for someone and you've heard just after time and time, it's like, oh, wow, we really see God answer those prayers. Yes. So I have a funny story that, and they won't be listening to this podcast probably, but um, my husband used to carry around a 10 most wanted list and it would have names of men that he was praying for and one day he was having lunch with a guy and it fell out of his pocket or his jacket or whatever and the guy's name was on the list and he was like why is my name on that list you know and David had <laughs> been praying for the guy for a long time and um, just that opened a conversation and he is awesome. now a faithful follower but um, you know it just doesn't happen yeah. I've, I've known women whose husbands are not believers and and they have just hung in there and prayed for him. And, yeah. Um, and then we well, sometimes so, get to see him come to faith. Yeah. <laughs> so it's clear the, the, the B1 really goes throughout. Yes. And yeah. I'm sure some of these yes. will. But at some point, yes. we, we're trying to yes. this natural progression. We're yes. going through the yes. book. We're going through, uh, not that it's an exact science, right, but right. after we, we've identified those people uh, in our life, what's the, the next encouragement that yeah. the book gives us? L is for listen. What does that mean? To listen to those people that are in your life. So listening is kind of countercultural, right? It is, we live in like an age of just mass distraction. Mm -hmm. Like how many times have you had a conversation with somebody and it looks like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, yep. Like our attention is often so divided. So when you're able to stop and just give somebody your full attention and really listen to what they're saying, that means something to them. And it gives you the context for their life how you can participate. I mean, the book says that's maybe the kindest gift you can give someone is Mm. to listen to them. You know, we walk around with earbuds in our ears all the time or one of my husband's biggest failures that he will, he has apologized many times as our daughter walked in the room and he picks up his remote and he's turning, she's talking to him and he's He's turning up the volume on it. Yeah. And she was like, you know, so yeah, sometimes you have hard lessons learned that way, but, um, but it's just a gift and we listen with intention. Yeah. We listen for what's going to get to know the person. Um, he, he talks in the book about, there was a Barna study done once about what people really want or who they would listen to, to talk about faith issues. And it's someone that would listen without judgment. Mm. And so, you know, so often when you're, we're talking to people, or you know it when you're talking to someone, and they're already formulating what they want to say back. Yeah. And then I just want to give up and go, okay, just tell me what you're going to say because yeah. you're not listening to what I'm saying. But I'm so guilty just of to that. Learn <laughs> to listen, to take a breath, put everything else aside. Mm-hmm. You know, put your phone away. <laughs> yeah, and all that. That that's good. I'm sure it goes a long way. So. Um, 
I guess that kind of probably leads into the next step a little bit, right? That uh, if if you're going to listen, you have to be in proximity maybe yeah. to them. And so... Definitely. So throughout the book, the 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 examples, I mean, there are some like examples of stories that he's heard or whatever, but the, the way that it's primarily relayed is really through the life of Jesus. So one of Jesus's primary ways to interact with people as he went, as was the culture of the Middle East, is to eat. So that's the E in bless, is to eat with people. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, what do you do sitting around the table and having, you know, eating a meal is you're having conversation, you're listening to someone, you're giving, you're giving them your attention. And this is like, I want us to be clear, just like pause from the acronym for a second, that like, this is not a class project. Yeah. Like people are not this like, well, we got to listen to them so we can find out what's going on in their lives. Cause then, you know, <laughs> like yeah. the idea is, we, we genuinely love, like the example of Jesus is he genuinely loves these people, wants to know about them. You know, my three-year-old is, wants to talk to me all the time and she ha- always has something to say. And I, it's, sometimes it's difficult for me to stoop down, look her in the eyes and listen to her because in those moments, I can be like a little bit uninterested in maybe if I'm honest in what she's saying, but I, but I love her. Right. And so I'm interested. So I stoop down, look her in the eyes, even if what she's saying makes sense or doesn't make sense, I just love her. Yeah. And that's, I think what we see with Jesus sitting around the table with people, he's eating, he's have, having conversation and he's truly listening because he truly loves. So why I know like eating that just it it seems like a common thing people eat every day. What is it about eating, sharing a meal that yeah. this would be drawn out as a yeah. this is this is a unique opportunity to give a glimpse into the gospel or sharing? I, yeah, it's got to be something more to it, I guess. Well, like you say, it's something everybody does. Now, not every some people do it just between noon and six, or you know, there's so many different <laughs> yeah. little things going on, but. It's relational. It's like inviting people into your kitchen, sort of. You know, yeah. you're you're sitting across the table from somebody, and um, you have time to slow down. There's not as many distractions, and um, it gives you an opportunity to both listen and, and speak. And yeah. So I think it's just one of the most relational things we do. For sure. I think our cultures, you know, we have to fight for that. I don't know yeah. if y'all's family meals are around a table anymore, you know, but I remember when my kids were in high school and stuff, we had to fight for that time. Yeah. And so oh, it's yeah. the same thing with other people. I, some of my most um, good spiritual conversations have happened around other people's tables or in their homes. But the book's really clear about that also. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to be cooking these four-course meals yeah. for people. Um, we live in an environment where there's a lot of good places that you can just pop in and grab a meal yeah. and have a good conversation. Yeah. We probably all know what restaurants around town are where you can talk. Better you know, that. that they're yeah. not all so loud or whatever. But um, So it doesn't have to be a lot of work. Um, yeah, it does have to be a little vulnerable because you're getting yeah. to know somebody. And I think it's really good what you said, and we should maybe sit here for just a second on that. Is just the the dif- the differences culturally between where where Jesus lived and where we live, both his like in time, yeah, but also in location, right? The Middle East that is like the thing, even still is food, you know, and where we live, it's like 
productivity. So how do I eat as fast as possible or TV dinner or whatever so I can engage in what I want to engage in or get done what I want to get done? And I think part of what we have to learn from the lifestyle of Jesus, even if it's countercultural to to where we live, is to to be able to slow down a little bit and linger in those moments and say, no, 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 I'm going to prioritize, I'm going to redeem those moments, those times where I'm sharing a meal and try to share those with others. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, as you were talking, you mentioned vulnerability, and I think, man, when you when you are sitting across the table with someone eating, it's automatically you're in a vulnerable position. I mean, you're yeah. having to, like, shove food into your mouth, eat, sure. or you just sit there. I mean, so naturally there, I'm just curious, do you guys have any stories or of times where you've, uh, you know, been around the table with a, a top five or friend, like eating a meal and a result of that or... Yeah. I know we did a whole I series think, on the I know. table. I, so yes, just, yes. I have to be honest. I think this is the hardest one for me. How so? So I, I, every day, like I said, one o'clock I'm praying for people. I like to have conversation. I'm outgoing. So I like to listen and ask questions. I'm not as good at listening as I'd like to be, but I, I, that's at least something that it interests me. Um, I'm easy for me to jump in and serve somebody, which we'll get to that, share my story. But like, uh, I don't know why. I do not have a lot of examples of that in my life. I have a ton of examples of sitting around the table with close friends who are followers of Jesus. And so I'm like, I've been challenged in this book uh, by the life of Jesus because it wasn't just, he wasn't just like every meal was like a chance to hang with his homies. Every meal was a chance to interact with people that were the outcast of society. So like, there, there's a story in Ma- in the book of Matthew, I think it's in chapter nine, where, um, I'm actually trying to find it in my notes, but where Jesus is sharing a meal with tax collectors and sinners. It's right after he invites Matthew to become a disciple. And, and the Pharisees come up and they see him eating with them. And he's like, why, why are you eating? Or, you know, he asked disciple, his disciples, like, why does your rabbi eat with tax collectors and sinners? So, the, the religious elite of Jesus' day, they, they viewed salvation synonymous with through, or like that you, they saw salvation through segregation, stay away from those, as far away from those people as possible. But what Jesus exemplified was salvation through association. Like, no, I want to be with those people. Yeah. Some of the like, the brokenness of my heart is I'm like, I'll have as many of my friends in my house as I, as I want, but, or my like close, the people that believe the same thing, you know, or feel the same way about stuff. But like, I don't know, having strangers or people that think different than me, like that's an issue that I have that I'm trying to work through. Yeah. I, I do think it's a dance sometimes because especially when you have young kids at home, I think I was probably really careful who actually came into our home and um, Dave and I, I remember we had a young couple that we discipled that were or that we spent time with that were both engineers, um, both atheists when we first met them, and um, we would just invite them over to have a meal with us. <laughs> and I remember they would come over. I mean, I think they were just used to eating out of a pot on a stove, mm. and so the wife was like, "Oh, side dishes," you know. So, <laughs> um, but our kids were little, and they yeah. got to know them, and so it also made it natural for mm. our children to see this. You know, but um, we had a, a sweet relationship and got to see them come to faith. Wow. But um, I also think about when your kids are little. Ryan mentioned last night in a sermon that you spend your whole life at the 
sportsplex or yeah. whatever. And I, I used to hear people talk about, you know, dinner that night was a Frito bag with chili poured in it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it might be eating, sitting next to someone in the bleachers right. yeah. or going out after a game, you know, yeah. with the team. And then you can sit around and visit with other uh, I think that's such a ripe time, or it was in our life. Yeah, to that meet actually, people. that reminds me when my son was in baseball last spring. There was a time after one of our last games where, like, all the parents and all the coaches and everybody went out to eat, and that was, I felt more like energized in in the sense of mission in that moment than I had in a long time because I was like, this. I mean. It, very similar Middle Eastern culture. Like they didn't eat inside the home. It was too small. They ate on the patio. We're sitting out here in the, right. on the patio of people from all different walks of life and belief. And I was just like, this is like what I'm supposed to so be good. doing yeah. more of. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say, you know, just kind of wrapping th- this one up a little bit. It's like, you know, when we uh, sit down a meal with someone that's maybe on our top five, you know, yeah. the hope isn't that this meal is going to save or that the conversation is going to be right. the things happen. It's, it, there doesn't have to be that pressure. That's really the opportunity where you can even get more listening time, more, you know, you're just building the relational equity. And yes. I think when you exactly. sit down and you're vulnerable in that place, you're yeah. maybe hearing things better. Dude, honestly, not to stay on this topic too long, but honestly, like coffee shops, I, I love sitting. I, sometimes I'll just go and do some, do like some work at a coffee shop because it's just this hustle and bustle center for commerce. And people are doing job interviews. People are dating. People are like meeting for work. I mean, th- there's people that are interacting. Yeah. That's probably like the coffee shop is like the American equivalent probably because it's fast or whatever of like the Middle Eastern table probably. But I, I love to just look and be like, wow, I would never imagine those two people, you know, sitting at the same table having a conversation, but there it, it happens at a coffee yeah. shop. Yeah. And you made a good point. I mean, your point in doing it is to get to know the person and to love them yeah. and to care for them. And that's so rare nowadays, you know, and so what a blessing. Um, but they're not a project, as Tanner, yeah. Tanner said. It's just yeah. get to know people. Them. So yeah. what... I would say, I'm, I'm, I'm couching it as encouraging. What's the next way that they're encouraging us to interact in, in the book? Yeah, through service. So this is uh, for the doers out there. This is like their, you know, the bread and butter of like- The what Home Depot can, shoppers? Yeah, exactly. Like the done, DIY, man. yeah. <laughs> what can, how can I jump into somebody's life and make a difference through just like serving, you know, um, an example, like I have a, a neighbor who lives across the street and like his tree, it was one of these wind situations that happened recently and part of his tree fell into his yard. And I texted him, was just like, hey man, you need some help with your tree? He's like, no, no, I got it. I'm like, a little bit like a little bit later, like, come on, dude, like I'll be around. If you need anything, let me know. And so I just, I like, just went over, grabbed my other neighbor who comes to Creek also. And we just helped him bundle up his branches. He was kind of like, he wasn't resistant, but he was like, no, don't, like, you don't need to do that. This is my my tree, my yard, like, I'll figure it out. But we were able to serve him, and it actually ended up being really good, opened up good conversation. Um, so that's just one example. He's probably wondering, what do you want from me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you going to ask me if I know Jesus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, he's, what's your hidden agenda, man? Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. So that, 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 that there's something unique about that. Why do you think it is that, um, you know, serving others yeah. almost feels like there's some hidden agenda there? What is it about serving that makes 
people mm. even potentially have guard up or even feel that sense of shock, like, man, I can't believe yeah. you would even do that. I think it's just so rare in our society, and so people are cynical, skeptical, yeah. whatever, maybe. Well, we're very individualistic. Yeah. Like, this is my house, my kingdom, my domain. Uh, I, I'm supposed to look out for number one. Uh, that's what's unique about who Jesus is and who followers of Jesus are, are supposed to be, right? So, like, if if Jesus exemplified how to eat and drink with people, Matthew eleven nineteen, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Well, then Mark ten forty five, the Son of Man came to serve, like to serve, not to be served, to give his life a ransom for many. So there's a humility there that is not common to say like, no, actually your interests, your needs are important, not just my own needs. And that is um, in a lot of ways, it's unique of Jesus. And, and we hope to be a people that emulate that. So I think that's why it kind of freaks people out sometimes because they're like, what, what, what are you? Why would you do that? Yeah, what is in it for you that you would be doing this yeah. for me? Well, I, you know, I think of a little bit of the natural progression of, because again, I, I feel bad. I didn't read the book, so I'm hey, kind of exploring. Hey, <laughs> as, as There's no here. condemnation for those <laughs> yeah. who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. But <laughs> We'll uh, talk after. You know, again, like, you know, praying for somebody, you know, identifying who they are, you know, listening, even sharing a meal. Those all, Those all seem like normal things, but sometimes when it comes to like, Really serving someone else, that's where it kind of like, I don't want to say tips the scales as to something, but it it definitely is where some conversation, because it it doesn't feel as normal. Normal. Yeah. Well, and the book also makes a point of another way to do that is ask someone to serve you. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that's a way to bridge the gap is to say, hey, I'm going to be out of town this week. Would you mind pulling my trash can back up, you know, or something like that, something simple where you could engage with them and they're really helping you. The the example of that in the life of Jesus is, you know, that he he stopped into this, uh, this area called Samaria most people would have gone most people of his ethnicity would have gone around it because those people were um outcast and they were like oh we don't go around those people there was some bigotry and but Jesus went straight through it and he stopped at this place it's John chapter 4 I think he stopped at this place for a well to get some water and this woman's there no doubt you know Jesus being Jesus knew why he was going to the spot knew she was going to be there but he said hey can you get some water for me um, and it, that wasn't like a, I mean, he wasn't just being like a jerk, like, yeah. give me some water, you know? Yeah. He he was opening a door that, again, culturally, very not normal for a man yeah. to be asking that from a woman for in that situation, but he opened a door of conversation that led to, I mean, the complete life, her, her complete life change. And a bunch of other people later on. Totally. Yes. And it wasn't, but it wasn't just because he didn't come up and be like, oh, here, let me help you. There's even something to be said of uh, allowing people to, there's humility in allowing people to serve you just as much as there is in serving other people. Yep. Well, I, I like that example. It's like a reverse. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. So I, I like that. <laughs> I think it's easier for me to serve people than to let people serve mm. me. And there may be other people that are just really open to that. So I think yeah. it's part of our makeup too. So, Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I think so far for most people, everything that we've talked about can, is not like too overwhelming. 
it can be fairly approachable. Okay, I can pray for somebody. Um, sure, when someone's talking to me, I can listen. Maybe I could invite them over for dinner or take them out for coffee. Not a huge deal. And yeah, if they need help, you know, I mean, we, we live in the land of floods and icing and we've yeah. all experienced the jump in and yeah. serve one another and help one another in our community. So the next one is the one that gets dicey for us that we have a tr- that we have trouble with. What's that? The next one is share your share story. story. And r- realistically, it, it, we, if we did all those other four things, they're all going to be extremely valuable, but that's, it's not all that God calls us to. Like he calls us to share. He calls us to um, declare what Christ has done in us and for us to people using our words. Uh, I think the way that the book helps it, and this is what we can kind of unpack a little bit, is, is it helps us not to think of that as, I've just got to walk up to you and tell you everything about Jesus and know all of the parts of the Bible, but it can happen very naturally in conversation. I think right. so. And I've heard people say, really, the, the younger believer you are, the, the less time from salvation to you're talking, it's really easier. Mm. The more we grow and the more we know, we think we've got to add all that in yeah. there. And so just relax in it. And remember, I, was, you know, I think you, we have to start by knowing your story and being able to articulate it. So make it really simple yeah. and just remind yourself. Talk about, how did I come to faith, you know? Who were the people involved? What was my life like? So they use a very simple outline of what was my life like before Jesus? How did I come to know him? Mm-hmm. And then what's it like now? So just real simple. And then, but to, that, there's a blessing in doing that for yourself. Um, I've known people that have doubted their salvation and I'm like, write it down, put it in your Bible or put it in your yeah. safe so that when you need to go back and you're wondering, and it's like, there it is. Yeah. It was that simple. And yeah, what a gift to leave for your family. Is that Sim- is that a rubric in the the book? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He even describes sort of the the narrative arcs of a story a little bit, but in its simplest form, there's even a uh, like a little a few lines to write out, just like one sentence or two sentences about who you were before, yeah. how you came to know him, and what your life is like after. It's so simple, and yet it is so powerful. Right. Like in the book of Revelation, chapter twelve. Um, there's this, this section, I'll just read verse 10 and 11. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers, that's Satan, has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. So just breaking for a second, like Satan is the accuser. God doesn't accuse us. Satan does. He's the one that says, oh, you did this and you're this and all this stuff. We know what that is like because we even have our own inner voices that tell us, you know, what lousy people we are. But then verse 11 says, they have conquered him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony for they loved their lives even unto death. These are people that gave their lives for their faith. But the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus. So each of us have that are followers of Jesus have that story. Like we did not save ourselves. It's Jesus's sacrifice that saved us. But then there's also this, word of their testimony thing. So the overcoming of the accusations of, of the evil one exists in both what Christ has done for us, but also our, our own articulation of that. Like yeah. it's powerful. You share that with somebody and it means something. It goes beyond just like, yeah, I went to, you know, Dairy Queen ice cream was super good, man. Like you need to go to Dairy Queen. It's, there's something eternal and transcendent and life-changing about sharing your grace story. 
can't argue with it. It's your story. Yeah. I was mm. having coffee with a friend the other day, and she was talking about her daughter and just some concerns she was having, and somehow it came up of how did how did that happen with you? And it was just a normal part of conversation. I said, you know, I was raised in such a good family. My parents laid a wonderful foundation for faith. But I was in college. I mean, I, w- I was living my life for Christ. I was trying to be obedient, trying to, you know, go to make sure I was at church on Sunday and doing all these things. But one day as a sophomore in college, I heard the gospel clearly for the first time that it wasn't about anything I was doing. It was mm. what Christ had done on the cross. And that was a pivotal point for me that my work didn't count for anything. His work counted for everything. And I just needed to rest in it. Yeah. And so... Just that conversation was, you know, if you're ready to, if you know the gospel and you know yeah. that it's God that saves, not you, and yeah. that it's Christ's work on the cross, if you know those little things, you know, and then it, those, then it's easy to articulate it and just yeah. to be ready. And um, so writing it down, yeah. practicing it, you know. It's um, one of the reasons we, we like share stories at church, yeah. you know. We do these stories that where people just in a couple minutes or sometimes even shorter just say like, this yep. is what Christ has done for me. That's impactful for us to hear, to see that on someone else and to identify with them. We can identify with people's struggles and but then also understanding grace, you know, when they see it for the first time. Yeah. And so that's, why I guess, where, where are environments where people can practice this? I mean, mm. I'm thinking small group, small group but... I know I a lot know. of small groups we do uh, life maps or, you know, or and then it gives you a chance to tell that. and um, Or just in a conversation, it's like, tell me your story. Yeah. You know, I don't know. First time Tanner and I were on the spiritual formation team, we started with that. Yeah, we did. It, forever, it's like, tell me your story. Yeah. Even though we work in the same building, we don't really know each other that well, yeah. if, you know, and so. I almost start, like, if I am going out to lunch with somebody or coffee with someone that I don't know very well, I almost start every time with just, like, hey, man, tell me your story. Your story. Yeah, and most people are like, oh, like, okay, my life story, sure, I was born here. I mean, right. everybody knows how to tell their story to some degree. They yeah. know what their life has been like. Um, so th- that can be just a natural way to have a good Good conversation. When it comes to you, just like, yeah, this was my story. Uh, and and a, a natural extension of that is, honestly, like, I, this has changed my life. You know, yeah. I'm a different person because of the work of Jesus. And it's not because I'm like, awesome, because I'm not. Here's all my struggles. Here's, like, we have to be real with people. That's another part of this, Absolutely. is not to try to put on some air that we're like this perfect yeah, that's what I think, you know, again, just hearing this as it's got me thinking about not just what God has saved me from in the past, like this, like, oh, my story of how I initially came to faith. It's this ability to recognize that, you know, I'm still a sinner. I still yep. am a broken person. I'm still falling short. And how I'm repenting and believing uh, in this ongoing journey and how mm-hmm. to identify and even be able to articulate some of those things that's now recently, like, what is God redeeming me from today, yesterday, yeah. and how to just kind of keep that afresh and not just always have my faith story be something that happened just happened to you to years, ago. years ago yeah. when I came to faith. Yeah, and that's very important when you're talking with people who don't haven't come to faith yet, and they can see that you still struggle just yeah. like they're struggling, but you're honest about it, yeah. that you're not putting on this, you know, happy Christian face that they can't really relate to. Right. You know, I still lose my temper with my children or, you know, 
and yeah. say. Absolutely. Well, and that's what we believe ultimately about the gospel anyways, right? Not that it's just this door we walk through and then everything right. is perfect, but it is every single day yeah. we're gospeling ourselves. We're reminding ourselves who, oh, yeah. who Christ is, what he's done for us, what my role is in his mission. And that is an ongoing conversation, you know? So in, in the same sense, it's an ongoing story. It's a, it's a part of your life, you know? The, the casual conversation is, hey, how are you? How are things going, you know? I mean, it's as easy to some degree, or maybe not easy is the wrong word, but it's as simple as and just incorporating that into some of those answers. Like it doesn't, you what, know what, I mean? what would your encouragement be to someone who's maybe listening or watching that's like, you know, I, I don't have this, you know, big come to faith story. You know, uh, faith has always been a part of my life yeah. or I just, I've just always kind of known it to be true. Um, what would we say to encourage or does the book, you know, not that the book has the answers, but yeah. I'm trying to think of a way to encourage people who, um, you know, well, that there's still power. In I that. don't have that story. Like I grew up in the church, like very gradual progression of faith throughout my life. I cannot even remember the time that I like crossed the line of faith, so to speak. So I, I would say to that person, it's, it's, that's really not what it's about. You're not trying to wow someone. Um, you want to relate to someone. And the best way to do that is to say, you know, I point back to some pivotal moments where I was able to take hold of the truth of the gospel and, and, and bring it into my life, not just know it, but embody it in a different way because of the grace of God. That's happened at various points in my life. And telling those types of stories, I think is sometimes even more helpful than like, dude, I was a drug addict. I was this, I was that. Although that's extremely helpful as well. Yeah, I think, and for those of us that are raising children, and that's what the, that's really the story we want for them. We want it yeah. to be a gradual growth and an awakening at some point. Um, we, you know, we used to always pray their mistakes wouldn't be life altering, you know. Yeah. And, um, but there's a point where they come to understand that just their self-reliance and everything else they have is just as bad as the drug addict that's in the ditch. Yes. You know, and so it's like, it really doesn't mean you're in better favor with God just because you haven't made those really bad decisions. Um, But just the, and who of them haven't lied or taken something that wasn't theirs or slandered someone, you know, those those sins are listed up with some other ones that we like to make really big. Mm. But, you know, and so I think that our stories are our stories. I'm grateful that we didn't have any really hard, you know, hurtful or like we didn't hurt other people too badly and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. But it's still, you're still far from God. And yeah. until you're have or covered with the blood of Jesus, you're still out. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the other thing with story, just cheating a little bit, because a lot of what I do around here revolves around yeah. people's stories at yeah. times, is like, man, what, while it is your story, the, the power of it ultimately is that who it's pointing to and yes. whose story it really is. Who's it's, the hero it's really story. A, 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 it's a greater story, and that, that, that's why it's so powerful. Absolutely. To know and be able to share that. So I kind of wrap it up here a little bit. 
you know, we, we now have this strategy that, you know, the spiritual formation team is trying to, to get out there. Why, why now in this season? What are we hoping people, how can people engage with this if they're interested yeah. or want to know more? What are some next steps? What would we encourage them to do? Yeah. I mean, I think I would encourage everybody, uh, ourselves included, to go back to who are my top five? Who are the people in my life? Um, and, and, and we haven't said this yet in this podcast, but for me, like three of, of my five are my kids. Mm-hmm. I, this morning I was sitting right next to my son in his bed, just listening to God. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, that is the most important disciple in your life right now. And, um, so identifying who are those people? Maybe they're not as far away or as strangers, much strangers as you think they are. Yeah. Uh, and s- start praying for them. Set a time every day. If it's in the middle of your day, if it's the f- first thing when you wake up to pray for those people. And then just, I think conversation is really helpful. So whether that's in your small group or with your community, just start to like talk about some of this stuff. Like, you know, it'd be great if you guys would come to me every once in a while and just say like, hey, how's it going blessing your top five? Like what what are some of the struggles? What are some of your wins? And we talk, like, we talk about that regularly as a staff, but even on like a, you know, more small group community kind of a way. So find people that can kind of hold you accountable. I think that's really helpful. how are you blessing your top five? Yeah. In terms of next steps, um, yeah, I mean, if you haven't read this book, I think we're going to be, creating some resources pretty soon to, along with this podcast, but some other resources to help people just continue kind of to engage in that idea. What we want to do is just, especially in this season, I mean, we are leading up to Easter. People are oftentimes more uh, open to an invitation to church. Not that that's all that this is about. This is about not just an invitation to church, but this is about developing relationships and and uh, w- w- with purpose. Um, but this is a great time to just be more cognizant of how you're interacting with those people in hopes that they would come to know Jesus. And when you ask why now, the world is hurting. Yeah. And League City and Friendswood and Baycliffe and Dickinson are hurting. And there's people that they don't have um, an anchor. And there's so much confusion, so much division. And so I think um, maybe we're ripe for for the Lord to do a work in our area. Um, but I just, I feel the, the sadness of that. You know, it's like we, we know a truth. We have a hope. We have someone we can trust. Mm. And I want other people to have that. Yeah. You know, it's just, so I think... That's why now, you know, I drive past the totainer. When I drive past the high school, I pray for revival in there, Mm -hmm. that that God would make himself known to those kids. Um, And if he does, that will give them, you know, an anchor, a mooring. Is that a a right word? But it's just like, but then it also, think of the impact that will have on our future, Mm -hmm. you know. And so if, if we can, if people can come to know the Lord and invite them into their lives and, you know, apply what they read in Scripture, marriages will be better, home lives will be better, 
uh, kids will feel loved. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. So there's just so much of this is what we're here for. And um, this is what we get to carry forward right. into eternity also. And so I, this is important stuff. And, and I feel like this is worth giving our lives to. And uh, if I can invest my life in just a little way of helping, you know, 12 people in my small group know this and to encourage them to keep growing and yeah. keep sharing with their friends and neighbors or whatever, it could be huge. It could yeah. just be. But even even if I never, I've never personally walked anyone across the line of faith. I've, I've grabbed onto many right after that or yeah. and helped them grow. I know that I've been, God's used me to lay some foundational things. But, and so all that works together. Totally. And if we can be just a little bit a part of that, yeah. man, that's worth doing in my mind. Yeah, the gospel is the hope of the world. But the, ultimately the reason that the gospel is the hope of the world is because of who Jesus is. I mean, the point of, of all, for all of us, of our faith is that at the end of all of it, what do we get like we get Jesus. He is someone that we love, that we care for, that we know loves us, that we love to be with. And the, the hope of eternity is I get to be with him and to partner with him in what he's doing. And that that also is what makes this not like some project for us or doesn't make people projects for us because it's not about something that we have figured out that other people haven't figured out. And if we can get them to think the same way and believe the same way, it is just in the same way that it was for his disciples. This, I wanna follow this person. It's about Jesus. It's not yeah. about us. Like, I wanna follow this person. You, have you met Jesus? I mean, like, it, cause if you had, you would understand this is a different life yeah. to know him and be known by him. Yeah. And that's, that's what drives all of it. Well, I, again, I think there, there's been a lot of a lot of times at Clear Creek, especially recently, you know, getting to be a part of a couple of mission trips and talking to some people who've been on foreign soil and mm-hmm. just how God's grown their heart for yeah. others. I, I, I'm I'm grateful for the the foresight and the discernment to help encourage people to be thinking missionally and have a desire and a passion yeah. to grow their hearts for the lost people in their lives. Because really, that is what it's all about. You know, we, we don't exist here as a church just for the, right. the people who are already here. We yep. exist for the people who aren't here yet. And so I'm excited about what, what God's going to be doing uh, through this stuff. Yeah. I'm grateful for you guys and your investment in helping and for you too, man. make yeah. this all happen. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.